Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. A note of warning. This podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you high profile and under the radar cases from across the country every week. Today is October 16th, 2019. I'm Billy Jensen and this is Owen Michael. Hello. And with us is our guest this week, Scott Michaels, who runs the Daily Departed Tours and Museum in Los Angeles. Scott, how are you doing? Great, thanks for having me. Welcome, Scott. And Scott, you were on my very first podcast, I believe back in 2012, with Michelle McNamara. Remember we did the... uh, Oh my gosh. And you called in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was was called Shadow Pulp True Crime Radio Hour. Oh, wow. And it was right... And we actually did it right (laughs) across... And you're... You're, the tour in the museum is located right across from Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is where everybody from Bugsy Siegel to uh, Valentino, uh, Johnny Ramone, Chris Cornell uh, was just buried there. Mm-hmm. And um, that's actually where we did the podcast, too. And wow. You couldn't, yeah, I remember you couldn't leave your office. You like, no, I can't leave the office. I was like, we're right down the street. But um, how'd, you, how'd you get into this line of work? Uh, well, I just, I was impractical. I'd said yes to things I should have said no to, I suppose. I started out here in 94 to run a company called Dearly Depart, I mean, I'm sorry, Grave Line Tours, mm-hmm. uh, which was an old uh, Cadillac Hearse. It's sort of the granddaddy of the of the dark tourism yeah. uh, tours. It was before really anyone was doing it. And they were old Cadillac Hearses, and we piled seven people in these things with no air conditioning, no windows that rolled down, and in the L.A. heat, and it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Now, a lot of people don't remember that part of it. It. That was I was the driver. So. That sounds fantastic. Other than the non-air conditioned in Los Angeles type of thing, <laughs> but uh, I would love to ride around one of those. Being in the back of the hearse is, you know, it's, it, I'm not gonna lie, it's a lot of fun. It's a once in a lifetime. Well, okay. for yeah. some. Sorry, yeah, yeah, this is for most. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's once in a lifetime. You will hit it once. <laughs> you will hit it once in a lifetime. Right, maybe yeah. not in a lifetime. But um, so yeah, and I left Graveline and uh, and I moved to England for several years. And then uh, when I moved back from England. Graveline had already gone out of business, mm-hmm. so basically I started mine. It'll be 15 years, uh, New Year's Day. Yeah. It's my first tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ironic because I guess living in Los Angeles, I've never done uh, one of the tours in Los Angeles, but in, in England, in London, I've done the, the Ripper tour, uh, which was actually very well done, and I also did a couple of their bus tours the, mm-hmm. the, where they would show you just on haunted stuff and things like that. And mm-hmm. there was just, you know, I don't think you can get two better 
cities than London and Los Angeles to do those kind of tours. I think New York is just so clogged. Mm -hmm. right. New York is more of a walking tour, I think. And London would be too. I mean, I, I, I set up a tour and I was going to start it with a tour company, but because of my visa status, I wasn't able to. But I, I put together a show business sort mm -hmm. of tragic tour of London with a, with a company. We did, you know, Vivian Lee, Judy Garland, Jimi Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And uh, right. it was it was well done. Uh, but to get to here, when it takes you maybe 10 minutes to get to three locations, yeah. Right. There it would take, you know, probably an hour to get to three. You yeah. know, George Michael and uh, Peter Sellers and all that business. So it was it was fun. I was thinking about putting together like a, a tube, tube to tube uh, mm -hmm. uh, walking tour because I think it would be more uh, yeah. more, more appropriate for something like that. Because it's London. People yeah. walk in London. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So and recently um, we had the Tarantino movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And you acted as a consultant. You took him around to different places of uh, because – um, you're a Sharon Tate expert and of the Sharon Tate murders and, mm -hmm. the, and the Manson murders. What was that like working with Tarantino and showing him the places? And what were some of the things that you showed him that he didn't know? Yeah. Well, we, he saw my documentary, my, my, uh, my, uh, writing partner, Mike Dorsey and I, uh, did a documentary called the six degrees of helter skelter. And it's something we did for weekends. You know, we, we released it probably 10 years ago, yeah. you know, and on those, uh, uh, pay for, you know, every time you sell one, they print it. What do you call that? Anyway, uh, eventually it was released and then he, they called me in and, and he had it on his desk and I, that was pretty cool. I figured, you know, I got the, the, the text from my, uh, from one of the people that works for me saying, Tarantino's people uh, want to meet with you. So I figured it'd be the room full of 20 people. Mm -hmm. And that was sure. just, no, they, they, they introduced me and he shut the door and we, we talked for about an hour about mm -hmm. the minutia of the case. I and mean, we all knew pretty much what's going on with it and the myth of Helter Skelter or mm -hmm. the blown out of proportion yeah. uh, bit of Helter Skelter. And, uh, but he really, he really glommed onto the weirdo little facts because he had already probably had in his mind sure. what he wanted done, but, but the little sort of nerdy facts. What, what kind of nerdy facts did he glom onto? Well, like one of the things that I told him that ended up in the film was that I interviewed Mark Lindsay from Paul Revere and the Raiders yeah. a few years prior. And he told me, you know, he lived in the house on Cielo Drive with Terry Melcher. And then Candace Bergen moved in, his yeah. girlfriend, and then he moved out. So uh, I'd ask him about living on Cielo. And he said, well, you know, Manson was always around. The first time I met him, he was on my kitchen floor. And this is like two years before the murders. So anyway, Mark Lindsay told me that they wrote Him or Me and uh, Good uh, good Times. Um, I think that's the name of the song. Good Thing Baby or something? Good Thing. Good yeah, Thing. Good Thing. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And they wrote them on the piano. And that was like a, one of those uh, facts because the, the house was furnished. So the same furniture that was in the room, the same piano that they composed that song on was probably 10 feet from Sharon Tate and Jay Seaborn yeah. when they were murdered. And that just gives a whole, a whole different angle oh, to so that, that you know, And that's, that's actually, that's not that, he took that fact then that you gave him and he turned that into the biggest song in the movie. Right. Because that was sort of, that was almost as if the, you know, stuck in the middle with you, the way he, not as graphic, but sure. that was like a, a centerpiece in the movie yeah. because yeah. it's them dancing uh, and, and everything. So I think between that and like the, 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 um, the, contrast the Bravo song. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know that, that it was written, written, you know, I knew that they were using in the commercials, they were using, um, uh, um, the Mamas Straight and the Papa shooter, song, Straight Shooter. Thing he got from me. Which was, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Because he, I, I knew what the piano, what the sheet music on the, the piano yeah. was, and uh, and it's funny because I told him, you know, it was it was uh, Straight Shooter, and then Pomp, Pomp and Circumstance was the other piece of sheet music, and so I, I don't know if Abigail Folger ever played the piano like they yeah. showed her, but I did look closely at the piano. You can see the P O yeah. from Pomp and Circumstance on the sheet music. So it was weird facts like that. One of the uh, one of the shoots was at Sebring Salon. Yeah, and he and he. Pulled 
pulled me aside and he says, what's, what's the name of the book that Abigail Fulter was reading, you know, in bed when she was, you know, when Susan Atkins approached her. And I was like, I, you know, that's my thing. I went to the <laughs> yeah. library, you know, yeah. 20 years ago to get their phone numbers from an old phone book. So that's what I wanted to know. So that's, those are exactly the kind of facts that he, that he gravitated towards. That's great. Is, so we got on really well. It. So you can that's definitely amazing. check that out. So um, what tours do you have upcoming? Well, because it's a Halloween time, uh, we do have a, ho- a horror movie locations tour, which isn't quite on theme with what we do, but it, it kind of is too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I recently launched the uh, what I call the Horrific Homicide Tour, and it's the true crime stories of L.A. And within sort of a five-mile radius of, of my shop, uh, you know, there are several, several, unshocking amount of beheadings and <laughs> chainsaws and plane crashes and drownings all within, you know, the very sort close East proximity. Hollywood area there. Yeah, uh-huh. east, all the way up to, to West Hollywood to the Viper Room, uh-huh. not including the Viper Room, but to that that area. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I, I'm really proud of that one. Uh, we also have a couple of events coming up at the shop. I, you know, I, I wrote a book a few years ago about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, so we're having some people in cool. to talk about it at the shop next week. So it's exciting to actually take this weirdo knowledge that uh, and do something with it. Yeah, and the timing and the, the this time of the year is probably kind of peak season for you as well, huh? It is, yeah. We, yeah, Halloween is our Christmas. Yeah, really. yeah, 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 I believe it. <laughs> so, you know, like you are saying, it's mid-October, it's Halloween is approaching, and we're getting into that spooky season. So we're actually going to record an extra segment and dig deeper uh, into your work and some of the stuff that you've, uh, that you've got at the museum that you go on the tour. But for this week in current news, a random railroad agent takes out a stun gun-wielding man who drove his truck into a Nebraska Chick-fil-A. Three women are accused of staging a fight club in an assisted living facility in North Carolina. But first, an Uber driver is acquitted after shooting a passenger six times in his passenger seat. Owen, what's going on in Denver? An update out of Denver where a rideshare driver was arrested in charge of murder after shooting at a passenger ten times last year. Last Thursday, a Denver jury found Michael Hancock not guilty of murder after 12 hours of deliberation, according to the Denver Post. Uh, Hyun Kim... 45 years old, called for a ride in the early morning hours of uh, Friday, June 1st last year after he'd been drinking with friends at a karaoke bar. Michael Hancock, 31, picked him up for the two-mile drive home. Hancock testified that Kim was uh, extremely intoxicated, said he made unwanted sexual advances toward him, touched his leg several times, even after he told Kim to stop. Uh, Hancock says uh, Kim tried to grab the steering wheel, grab the shifter, tried to grab the ignition, was being uh, uh, difficult. Hancock says uh, he told uh, Kim he was going to basically drop him off right after that. He pulls over on the side of the freeway off the Interstate 25, and as he got out of the car, basically he's uh, trying to – he says he's trying to – forcibly remove his passenger says kim uh, grabbed him and pulled his dreadlocks so hancock uh, allegedly or or he admits to pulling out a semi-automatic handgun that he had uh he walked around to the passenger side and fired 10 times striking kim six times prosecutor said uh, kim was extremely drunk he had a blood alcohol content level of 0.308 which is um it's very high very intoxicating three times they said the legal indeed uh, it's uh i that's a lot of booze in your system um prosecutor said uh, he may have been disoriented he may have been napping he may have fallen asleep been disoriented and tried to start a fight when he woke up that part is all sort of up in contention but uh, as we say uh hancock was let off um the complicating factors here, Hancock, after he shot uh, Kim, took a knife that he says he has stored under his passenger seat. He put it in to Hyun Kim's hand, uh, 
prosecutors say he put it in his hand to put fingerprints on it. Uh, Hancock says he claimed he was doing it just to see if the muscle reaction was there to see if he was still alive, which is uh, take of that what you will. It almost seems like maybe he was, yeah. you know, there was some maybe a little bit more of a, a setup there, but that would be speculation on my part and wouldn't want to do that. Prosecutors also point out that the trip had gone 70 miles the original trip was supposed to be two miles from the karaoke bar to Kim's house. Uh, prosecutors say that uh, they speculate that Hancock basically may have seen that Kim was uh, passed out and then drove drove around for a while to increase the fare. Hancock says they went to the original location. The guy wouldn't get out of the car, uh, so he was asking for a separate address. That type of stuff is up yeah. in the air. But uh, Hancock uh, is married, two kids. Been driving for uh, about five years, had no previous incidents. Um, uh, let's see, he was bl- released later in the day last Thursday. He'd actually been held in jail without bail since he was arrested on June 1st of last year. So he was cooling his heels in jail for 18 months, essentially, wow. uh, while this went through. But uh, so a lot of weird uh, situations here, but the jury thought this is plausible. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I don't know what to make of this one. I got lots to think about. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's crazy. I mean, there's too many. There's too many. It's like, what? You hear what? a lot of a lot of different rideshare stories uh, yeah. across the spectrum of all sorts of different things like that. Usually, though, uh, I mean, occasionally hear about uh, a driver who's having an incident with uh, with with passengers. I'm surprised you don't hear it more often just because how many drunk people take uh, Uber as, as their means of transportation. But uh yeah, a lot of anger. I mean, you know, firing a gun 10 times. But he got out of his car. Got out of the well, car the on thing. the freeway. It's, like, it's yeah. almost as if if you're stopped on the interstate and as you're getting out of the car, the guy re- – because the guy's probably in the back seat. He was in the passenger seat. Oh, he's in the passenger seat. He's in the passenger seat. First of all, never he's grabbing all that stuff. I, I agree Whoever with that as well. They used to be an unwritten uh, rule that front seat is chatty, back seat quiet. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. that was still in effect. Yeah. And I, I feel like even five years ago there was a whole thing about whether it was okay to when I, yeah. sit Whenever in the back I, or Whenever I drive around with Owen, I sit in the back seat because I just don't want to talk to him. I mean, we also have a sound shield in the back. Yeah, that's true too. So. But the, the fa- but the fact that he was, you know, he's getting out of the car, he he's grabbing him, the you know, whether they were able to, you know, and you don't know how how the story was represented. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the court case was. Was he does he have his hair and then he pulled out a gun and then just sort of like was backing up and then went like that. You know what I mean? Or was he safe out of the car? It could sounds have potentially from, run. Uh, from about five different five different uh, news sources that I've read this from. It sounds like it was the latter that he had had enough of this guy. Went ar- got out and went around to the side and fired from wow. a standing position yeah. into this guy, whether he was trying to grab him out and the guy was fighting back or, or whatever else. The family also is going to uh, – they reportedly may sue or lodge a lawsuit against Uber because there is the fact that uh, you're not supposed to – Carry a gun. Carry a gun while you're driving. That's another one of those a term service suggested rules. I mean, they say that that was their, uh, uh, you know, not it was their not their policy, not officially. They mm-hmm. never said that, but it was something that uh, that they like to say to people. I suppose is how it went. Yeah. I, I mentioned that even coming up, but I, I'm I'm not sure how I'm not sure how comforted I am one way or the other if there's if the driver has a gun or not. I mean, well, to city that, to city yeah. as well, uh, but personal protection versus then, protection of the car or, or whatever else and a knife. And you know, the knife. You have to go back around to get the knife. That's so and weird. The, and the whole and the seventy mile thing is just. Yeah. It, it didn't do himself any favors on that, but 
they acquitted him. I mean, I'm I'm actually pretty surprised that, yeah. yeah, the 70 mile thing. But I guess there's you know he wasn't on trial for being a bad Uber driver. Or being he wasn't on trial for fraud. Um, but the knife thing yeah. too is it, it seems like there would be uh, they, some sort of staging of evidence type of thing. I think um, if they went for a different. Uh, verdict, you know, if they went, went you know, went for a charge of manslaughter or, or something, yeah. because they couldn't lower it while the trial thing. was going yeah, on, and that, right. and that happens. That happens right. a lot. Yep. So, um, but by all accounts, uh, this guy's out. He's reunited with his family and uh, pledges. You know, he's basically going to. He's not, not, not many people get a second chance yeah. on that. And if you've been in jail for eighteen months waiting for this, that's uh, it's good news for you. So. Yeah, I, I, I do like to believe the jury system. I know that agree make mistakes, Absolutely. but that's so outrageous that. I really believe them, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense, because it's uh, the eyes of the country are yeah. on these people. And they're there doing the minutia of the case yeah. hour by hour and, and day by day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I intend to, I mean, excuse me, I, uh, uh, I am with you on that. Let the jury decide. All right. So we're going to go to a Chick-fil-A in Houston, Nebraska. Uh, it was an intense scene at a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nebraska last week as a witness, as witnesses watched a man get kicked out of the restaurant after a violent outburst. And he then drove his pickup truck straight into the restaurant. He threatened people with a stun gun. And before he was actually shot dead by a railroad agent. And there's an image right there. Uh, if you can't see this on the, uh, on the, uh, you can just do a Google search or check out True Crime Deli. The, the truck basically, is sta- it's, it drove into the standing area where you're waiting yeah. to. And he backed right in front of the, the cash register, essentially. It's, it's, uh, it's a good thing no one was hurt yeah. because it could have run. So, so the Lincoln Journal store in Nebraska reports last Tuesday at the South Point Pavilion's location in Lincoln at about one in the afternoon. Witnesses say Joe Semino, 48 years old, was acting erratically. One employee said he was yelling, it's just an effing sandwich. Semino reportedly flipped over tables and threw other threw other customers' food. A customer eating lunch with his wife in the restaurant tackled Semino. I went to um, college with a guy named Joe Semino. And he's the the age uh, actually it actually up. matches up. I don't a have a photo. Bit. Let of me the do. Guy. Do you not have a photo? Yeah, there's there's one photo. They they think that he as we get into the story, they think that he had, uh, he basically opened a Twitter account the day before this happened and had posted some stuff on YouTube. They have kind of a photo of the guy, but it's not confirmed. So there's not a lot of imagery okay. that we can associate. with. All right, this, then I, I, this guy but, has got uh, a Facebook Nebraska page, so. and Kentucky. I mean, excuse me, where'd you go? Kansas? Uh, no, no, this was in Boston. This is undergrad. This was in Boston. Well, this so is undergrad. A, yeah, yeah, big well. country. Uh, customer eating lunch with his wife in the restaurant tackled Semino and forced him outside. Then Semino got into his 2018 Dodge pickup truck and backed it through a bank of windows on one of the uh, walls of the building, ending up in the order area. Police say Semino got in the, got in the truck. And started waving around that stun gun. A BNSF railway special agent identified as Christopher Hall. You don't hear a lot about the railway special agents. It's very, it's very old. It's kind of old timey. It reminds me of like a like a Pinkerton agent type of thing. Obviously, this is a bigger thing in the Midwest where there. I mean, not that there's any more railways out there, but you know, yeah, Yeah. it's a railway agent. He's a law enforcement agent. So. uh, you know, the BNSF, th- those agents, which stands for Burlington Northern Santa Fe, uh, they have uniform patrols, cargo inspection, investigations with other agencies. You know, they're trying to protect their employees and the assets of the billions of dollars of stuff that's on our, our railways. Logistics. And um, uh, Sumino reportedly threatened Hall and kept approaching him. And Hall, who's an eight-year veteran of the company, shot him three times in the chest. Then he performed CPR on Sumino, but Sumino died at the scene. 
Tox reports are pending. Stamino had registered his truck in Lincoln in July. He had previously lived in Tennessee, Arizona, New Jersey. He was a Candom, New Jersey corrections officer for 13 years. And the incident is considered an officer-involved shooting death and is reviewed by a grand jury. And last Monday, the day before the incident, Stamino kicked a hole in his apartment wall and told his property manager he was waiting to be, quote, picked up for his final mission, but hadn't gotten orders yet. And he told a responding Lincoln cop he was, quote, getting ready for the game. Samino apparently created a Twitter account the day before, then posted 400 times on Twitter, including one tweet sent to a user in Japan at 5.21 a.m., seven hours before the incident, which said, you can't win. I regret nothing. It's just a effing chicken sandwich. Well, speaking of which, I don't think this guy was motivated by that, but you may recall that there was a uh, major chicken sandwich story about six weeks ago, sweeping the, sweeping the country. Yes. Everybody could not get quick enough to the chicken sandwich at uh, uh, Popeye's. Popeye's restaurants. Yeah, remember that? Uh, <laughs> they were then, selling them on eBay. Yes, exactly. EBay. Yeah, and, yeah. and in fact, uh, I looked this week because I actually did not get swept up in that. I didn't get to try the chicken sandwich that I heard. Nothing but great things. They still don't have them in the restaurants. It was easily six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That is neither here nor there. When this guy at least twice or three times references it's just a chicken sandwich, who knows this, uh, you know, if you've been wearing his tinfoil hat, uh, uh, thankfully, no one else was major injured in this. Um, this is such a random thing. You know, we've all dealt with people, you know, unpleasant customers and places of business and things like that. But A, for one guy to drive into a place. B, a law enforcement agent, you never know. Yeah. You hear stories about off-duty cops and, and other people like that. But uh, a railway agent, it's a, a stroke yeah. of good luck, yeah. I suppose. Well, yeah, in L.A., they have the uh, the uh, the officers at schools are, are also mm-hmm. treated as as officers of the law, mm-hmm. and, and I've been I've seen that sort of situation too, where they got involved with things on the street, yeah. in in protection of their school ultimately. But uh, but yeah, they are given the power to uh, to do that sort of thing. I don't know. This I mean I don't know. Before it seemed like we were we were brought up. I don't know how old this guy was. That's forty eight. So. Forty eight because we were brought up to sort of chill, you know. And now, but we know what it's like to sort of want to go over the edge when you you know you go someplace. It's like the third time and they're out of something. You just want to you know. It's it's a bit of an overreaction, but we're yeah. given the tools to uh, to deal with that. Yeah. Some people just fried out. We see a lot of the you know. There's a lot of coming in through True Crime Daily. We see a lot of fast food shenanigans and a lot of it is just people there's a lot of rage there there's a lot of phones out there now you know there's a lot of phones too but i do feel like the national temperature has gone up the temperature has gone up i think there was always fights you know the the guy that's freaking out because they didn't put his his chicken nugget sauce in which i can which happens a lot um i understand that those people but you're you're mildly well adjusted i'm well adjusted and i'll say you know what i'll just um i'll i'll go home and i'll put mustard on them and it'll be fine so that's that's, a, that's a well just that. way to go. Uh, Thank you. Fortunately, this uh, this is one of those instances where a good guy with a gun uh, stopped this situation. But yeah. um, uh, I mean, he, he doesn't. It seems to me that, and I'm not at all anti-gun, but it seems to me that that should be. One of the things people are taught is how to shoot low, you know. It's always this guy had a taser and, then, you know, t- tasers will mess you up. But, sure. And, and they could kill you technically. Sure. But it just seems like people always go for the kill shot. I guess what you're supposed to I do. Guess, yeah. you're well, use it, you're I imagine, that, you know, there's there's probably some law enforcement standards as far as like if you're not aiming for center mass, which is a, you know, we want yeah. you to shoot 100 times and hit it 99 times. Yeah. Uh, no, that's what they're... All, all, and then plus if you're not shooting at center mass or you're shooting from 
for the leg or something like that, you're more likely to miss and then hit somebody else or hit mm -hmm. some other yeah. property damage. So I'm sure law enforcement agency wise, they have gone over that thousands yeah. of ways, yeah. And, yeah. but have determined that the best thing to do is to, is to do this. Yeah. But yeah, it is unfortunate. I mean, it sounds like the guy had a, a, a kind of a, a psychic break. He was a former corrections officer back in New Jersey. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so he's uh, got a law enforcement background himself. Um, that's not neither here nor there. Like I said, with this BNSA, BNSA, BNSF agent, there's only five of those guys licensed in the entire state of Nebraska, uh, and then it varies from state to state. So it just so happened that this guy yeah. was in that particular spot. He was in line. Yeah, he, he was in, in the drive-through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he actually got out and he and he went to help the situation. So yeah. I mean, he know. was being he was behaving erratically. It just seemed. I wonder how far it would have gone. Yeah. You know, if he he had already gone through the restaurant, and was throwing people's food around. Yeah. Uh, like when does it stop? If yeah. somebody well, doesn't stop him, somebody to, when does it stop? drives their truck or their car into your thing, that's a dead. That's kind yeah. of yeah. all the yeah, dead. Yeah. Right. You're, this person's clearly yeah. not uh, in the right mind. You're right. All right. So. Well, we're going to have to break Tyler Durden's rule right now, Owen. Well, what's going on in North Carolina? We can talk about this one. Three women in North Carolina who worked in an assisted living facility have been charged with assaulting disabled persons. This is uh, Tanisha Jordan, 26 years old, Tanisha Tyson, 20 years old, and Marilyn McKee, 32 years old. They're accused of witnessing fights between at least two residents and allowing to, them to proceed without intervening. And on at least one occasion, they recorded video of a fight between two women in their 70s with dementia in one of their rooms. Three women allegedly watched, recorded, and egged on the participants. The Winston-Salem Journal says police received reports of abuse at the Danby House facility in uh, Winston-Salem area in June. Faculty, excuse me, this facility claims to specialize in assisted living services for those with memory issues like Alzheimer's and dementia and those kinds of things. Uh, investigators found uh, employees were allowing and encouraging patients to fight. One employee allegedly also assaulted uh, a, a patient or residents by shoving them in a room. Uh, the Winston-Salem Journal reports that in one recording, one of the women in the fight is heard saying, uh, one of the two women with dementia in her 70s was saying, let go, help me, help me, let go. While no one intervened, it, while no one intervenes, nobody breaks it up. Uh, one of the suspects tells her, "Stop screaming!" Expletive. Um, the other, and this is recorded. The other resident uh, reportedly begins choking her, while one of the suspects tells her to punch her in the face. The woman being choked, uh, she was reportedly turning red in the face. She allegedly then bit the other woman. One of the suspects is heard making sure someone is recording the incident, and she tells her to send her the video. That video was shared on social media, according to a state report on the incident. And at least one other incident where the woman being choked reportedly attacked a third woman. The three suspects were allegedly present and reportedly shoved her into a room, turned off the lights. Elder abuse uh, allegation there. Investigators say there was little or no training of staff at this facility. Employees had not been given uh, had not been giving medication to residents uh. as pre prescribed there by the doctors. They're, they are accused of missing medications, not just these three, but staff, including treatments for fluid buildup, Alzheimer's disease, depression, and high blood pressure. Uh, medicine, among others, which, uh, you know, you can imagine that's quality of life type stuff. It's also uh, yeah. medically necessary. Yeah. And, then the, so the, and then the three suspects are fired after the allegations come to light in June, but the place isn't shut down. In August, North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services ordered the Danby House to just stop taking in new residents. And I can understand that you don't want, you know, it's very hard to get somebody from one place to another place. Mm -hmm. but And that restriction is still standing, but there's still people at that 
at that facility. Hopefully they'll be watched like a hawk. All three suspects are scheduled to appear in court in November. And if convicted, they would face a maximum penalty of 150 days in jail. Plus, Plus fines. fines. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the penalty is uh, obviously that would be. It sounds just, but uh, yeah. the suffering here and the indignity of, of you know treating people like this, this is sort of a, a, like a, a nightmare. Many people have older relatives uh, in assisted living facilities. Monsters. Yeah, yeah and, and you know you hear horror stories like this, and this is one of them. But it's mm-hmm. sort of like, my goodness, what are you doing in this business if you yeah. can't be a humane? I mean, they're probably you know I don't I don't know their circumstances, but they're probably low level employees. Mm-hmm. They're probably not paid very much, and they're probably you know because they don't administer uh, nurses administer medication, right. not not low level employees. Right, right. So, and I'm just assuming that that's the case. So they're probably bored. You know, they're tired of right. going home with you know stuff under their fingernails that they have to deal with, and uh, and you know, just I'm not no excuse for they're they're monsters. Uh, you know, I, I recently, you know, my own relatives were in a nursing facility, and I would be, I am infuriated. I yeah. can't imagine yeah. the families having to. Deal and with it's that. a like you said. The the lack of training indicates that this was probably a lower level type of situation. But even you know, hey, why wouldn't you? How much are you saving money by not by by skimping on on training yeah. classes and things like that? As well as you know, no, just bad for business. No, no, simple no, no excuse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who knows, right? You're, so you're no right. not to cast aspersions on the field, but uh, you know, it's a reminder for anybody who's got uh, mm-hmm. relatives in this thing. You're you wanna, shopping for those kinds exactly, of exactly. You want you, you to be selective. It's like a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. You go through some pretty rough places yeah. when you're looking for a place where you feel it's acceptable. Yep. Yeah, it's a, you know, I mean, yeah, exactly. You're putting people's lives in, in someone else's hands there. Hands, you want to oh. make sure of it. So. And they, they were just doing it for fun. I mean, I remember there was a, a few years ago, there were the uh, uh, bum fights. Remember mm-hmm. those two guys mm-hmm. that were uh, Early 2000s. doing it for uh, entertainment? Well, they were doing they were videotaping it. it. Videotaping yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, but these guys are just at least. And uh, putting it on social media. I mean, yeah. my, it's so yeah. it's so disrespectful. Well, certainly the, the nursing home is going to be paying dearly more than uh, a $150 fine or yeah. Hundred fifty days. Maybe on the hook for some stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, you know, we get comments, and uh, that story got comments. But um, we have three stories that we'd like to um, uh, take you through. One from your neck of the woods, Owen. Serial stowaway Marilyn Hartman arrested at O'Hare again. Police saw the 67-year-old inside Chicago O'Hare International Airport just after 10 p.m. Friday night trying to move TSA lane dividers in an attempt to get around security. She has a long history of sneaking in, into uh, onto airline flights across America. Scott, do you remember this this particular – have you heard reports of this woman? She's been kind of under the radar for a couple of years, but I remember three years ago, she, maybe, even, maybe even earlier than that, she was busted. But she's – I think I didn't – do the background on this, but I think she's up to at least five times trying to get into, uh, mm-hmm. t- trying to sneak on flights. I think she was successful on at least one of them. Well, that's what, that's the other a, that's what we know of. Though. Is this yeah, all exactly. at O'Hare? No, she's, uh, I think one of them was Phoenix, one of them was LA, I think. I'll have to double check that, but this one happened to be yeah. in O'Hare, uh, which, you know, one of the busiest uh, airports yeah. in the in the country. But, Barbara. Uh, it seems pathological yeah. at this point. Yeah, Barbara H. says, I'm without words. I'm pulled aside by TSA every all single right. time. Yeah. How does she get through without a ticket? 
Tabricia F. said they should lock her up for about a year, put a stop to her antics. This is a security breach. And Matthew R. said that's a pretty cool hobby. Uh, at least he's living on, that live. Are you in a, like a fast check, uh, what do you call it, the, the, the safe pass? The TSA pre. Yeah. Yes. The pre check. I also do the clear, too. I do that one, too. You guys both do, I do that? I do the clear. I do yeah. the, they, have, they have all my biometrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you give blood. Well, so there'll be no sneaking for you. But uh, no, So I yeah, guess you guys no. are sort of um, uh, unaffected by passages like this, whereas no, I'm just I a regular mean, schmo. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. We're all affected. We're all affected. Yeah. Well, there's that, but I mean, as far as she's cutting, she's basically cutting in front of me on my line. I don't know how she got into the exactly. into the thing in the first there's, place. Don't cut in front like of everyone. We know that. I, would, they, I, would well, I just don't. I don't do lines. No one doesn't do lines. I, I just that's don't. That's why he doesn't. Fly. I would just miss the flight, <laughs> and they're like, "I'll come back tomorrow." There's it's almost a threat to public safety. I mean, in a sense, she's doing us a favor. This is true. This is true. She's highlighting. She's a an ostensibly un violent person uh, kind of poking holes in the in the, the security she mesh still there. should be microchipped I think <laughs> I <know. laughs> I'm, no right. objection uh, uh, for my part well yeah. we take us to the next one yeah we'll go to the next one a man was arrested after he allegedly tried to break into a woman's Tulsa apartment I was just in Tulsa and my book tour it's beautiful I loved it, it, was, it was you're hitting coolest, all coolest aspects city. of every story here absolutely uh, using potted plants and that's our gentleman right there David H. said, man arrested for allegedly using potted plants to try to break into a woman's house apartment in order to bite her neck. Obviously, he's riffing off of the photo of this man that seems to have somewhat of a Dracula-type um, uh, image, uh, persona that he's cultivating. Mike M. said, he looks like he got hit with a potted plant. Come on, Mike. You want to you really want to punch down like that? And Alton J said, "Be aware, making negative comments may come back and bite you." See, uh, that's at just, least using the, the using the pun properly, and uh, we're having a little respect here. I, th- I I get the idea that the officer who took this mugshot thought that this was enough of an identifying characteristic that they had. That they had him open his, his mouth. His mouth there yep. because he's missing some teeth except for his mm-hmm. what are those the canines the the vampire teeth those would be the canines so don't yes. uh, don't try to break into people's don't houses don't do that yes don't, uh, and don't do um don't leave flower pots on your front porch. Well, I mean, you know, at a certain point, this guy has to take uh, responsibility yes, for taking yeah, exactly. my potted plants yes. off this. We are not blaming the victim at all. Purely artisanal. But um then our last story, man arrested for underage drinking at bar. What did his ID say? It said McLovin. <laughs> and by the way, that's a liquor store that we've gone to, the famous McLovin Liquor Store, which is seven right days liquor. Uh, yep, I, I have been there many times. They have, a, they have a photo of uh, of the scene there with the two cops. Was it Bill Hader? Bill Hader. And, uh, who was the other one? Was it Rogan? Or no, I don't. Think yeah, it was Rogan. It was Seth Rogan. It's a photo of them at the thing, and they've got some other stuff. But yeah, that's just right down the block. Yes, it you, is. Yeah. Um, when an officer asked for his ID, scene. he allegedly flipped through his wallet, and the officer spotted the fake. According to police, he had a fake Hawaii ID with the name McLovin. The card lists a birth date of June third, nineteen eighty-one. Which we should also say, just in case you have no idea what we're talking about, this is the, there's a movie called Superbad, where the plot of the story is a bunch of uh, high school kids are trying to basically procure Be alcohol. Lose kids. their value, yeah. you know, all those yeah. kinds all, of things. All the fun and stuff. one of the characters gets himself a Hawaii ID with the single name McLovin, McLovin. which I'm sure you knew, but I'm telling you, listener, who, uh, who was case. an organ donor, if I do remember. Uh, of course, he was responsible. Andrea H said, I feel if you can die for your our country and go to prison, then alcohol is fine by me, which is what I've always said. Hmm. You know, you, you can, you can elect your president, that president can make you go to war. But you can't drink before you go to the war. That's weird. Just weird to me. Sorry. Technically, you're an adult at 18. Who the hell am I to tell you it is wrong? Uh, Eric C. said, we need thugs like these off the streets. Mm -hmm. 
And Sarah A. said, I think my favorite part is that the guy thinks he could actually pass for 38. <laughs> yeah, he's so. a little on the young side there. But uh, that was, <laughs> I believe, June 3rd, 1981 was a, a direct movie reference, too. And as several people pointed out, you can go online and get one of these things for I yourself. I think so. This is, like to make a, this a, was a not an idea. Yeah, this he is wasn't not really like, trying to get away I don't, I don't think he went it. into a, the back room of a place and said, I'm going to get a McLovin ID. I think he purchased it. Yeah, you can buy that kind of thing. So anyway, that's our show for this week. Thank you, Scott Michaels, for being our guest this week. Thank you, Where Scott. can our viewers and listeners find out about you and your tours? We're dearlydepartedtours.com. Is, right. what, is the website. Gotcha. And we're going to include your uh, your details in the descriptions of the podcast and in our uh, YouTube video. You can find our content on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, and on YouTube. And get updates and subscribe to our newsletter at truecrimedaily.com. And until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, do not do crimes. Do not do crimes.